brands will go where the people are. So if everyone is still feeding in those audience numbers, you can still confidently say, well, they'll be back because guess what? We have the audience numbers that they need. Season two, episode 12. Malik, we're back. And here we are again. Episode 12. I can't believe we're 12 deep already. 12 deep, man. So it's a beautiful day in the city. We have another amazing guest. Uh, so this is someone we've worked with in the past, and I had the pleasure of being roasted by continuously over the years. Uh, <laughs> we're joined by <laughs> Fiorello Campodonico. Uh, say what's up. Hey, how's it going? And you uh, really did a good job with my name. So uh, first of all, so thank you. Thank you. I'm very happy to be here. <laughs> it's so jokes. Like sometimes we have guests who have last names that like are, aren't the easiest to to pronounce, let's say. And I remember yeah. a couple of episodes when we did the Anton one, I was like, oh, <laughs> uh, I need to like learn how to say this and like practice it a couple of times because it's like you don't want to sound like a, like a complete idiot. But uh, thanks. Thanks again for coming on. <laughs> yeah, no, very, very happy. And also very happy that my full name was given today. <laughs> there we go. OK, awesome. So Fiorella, tell the people, you know, who you are, what you do, all about you. Who I am and what I do. Okay. Um, my name is Fiorella. I am the social center manager for one of the world's largest beverage companies. Um, part of my day-to-day job includes uh, developing best-in-class social media strategy and plans, um, planning uh, for brand campaigns, so ensuring we're developing media plans, connection plans that are aligned to the brand plans, Um oversee community management of over 14 of our brands on social media. And of course, um, also social listening is a key part. Um, so revealing key consumer insights for our uh, marketing. And a little bit about my background. Um, so before being where I am today, um, I was originally um, on client side. I work in financial services um, before being lured by um, the fast pace of the agency life, uh, where I got the chance to work with clients in the automotive, CPG, and grocery industry. And eventually, you know, going back to client side. Um, and, you know, my a big part of the reason why um, that happened for me was that I had the opportunity to um, build uh, the in-house social center where I work today. So kind of building up that social expertise and having a better integrated control and execution of our social media presences and campaigns. Um, and, you know, kind of bringing that to life was, uh, was really, really important, really big. So I was kind of lured by that. It was a bit of a challenge. Obviously I mentioned it was over 14 brands. Well, I mean, it was, I think 10 brands back then, but it's still quite a bit. Um, but yeah, that's kind of what got me transitioning, um, going from client to then agency and then back to client side. That's kind of interesting because let's just jump on the topic of like the in-house versus like the I was going to say yeah I, I find that so interesting because I've only ever worked at agencies and yeah. you know, I'm within my own agency I work with like you know a media agency I work with a PR agency I work mm-hmm. with you know 
many different groups of people. And I, you know, I think a, a challenge on like the clients end for a lot of things is, um, you know, how can we manage all these different partners and groups and, and have things like come out the way that we want them. And I think that the more people that you add from different agencies, the more complicated it can get to your point, you know, I think, you know, turnover is like a, a big thing as well. So a lot of things right. get lost in translation. So it's kind of an interesting, interesting situation because you see this now more and more bigger companies are starting to pull in, you know, people from agencies to work for their like, you know, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Department, if that if that kind of makes sense. Yeah, and so that's kind of part of um, forming our content team as well. Was um, primarily they wanted people that had worked in agencies because we were going to be working with agencies. So mm, they wanted right, right. people that knew, you know, kind of um, how that relationship works, what the process a little bit is sometimes, what tight turnarounds means, what can be done, what cannot be done to set expectations internally as well. So they were looking for people that did that. Um, obviously, um, as you guys maybe have noticed, um, well, maybe not so much DAC nowadays, but, um, Malik, I think you're still working in agency. Um, previously, um, companies traditionally had more like agencies of of record and they would work with them for like a whole year and then they would renew their contracts and this and that. And that's kind of moving like, at least for a lot of companies that I know, they've been moving a lot away from that. Um, and they've been kind of having a roster of agencies and assigning different kinds of projects and campaigns for certain agencies, depending on the scope of work, depending on that agency specialty. And so it's not that you always have like X, Y agency doing social all the time, or you always, so I think as that started changing, um, again, we, I, when I looked at the permissions on our Facebook page, we had agencies in there that we hadn't worked for like within 10 years. And I'm like, why do they still have access to this? This is not yeah, yeah. So a part of that cleanup and that security, you know, over like overview is ensuring that, you know, everything like in-house is, is managed correctly just in case, because you never know, like at the end of the day, they are trusted agencies and they never did anything. I'm sure they could have, but they didn't do anything with any of our, our pages. But at the end of the day, it only takes like one slighted person that's just like upset at their agency. They're like, you know what? Today I quit and I'm just going to do some crazy stuff yeah. <laughs> um, to, to kind of take all that over. So I, it was just one of those things where um, definitely on board. But I think as you guys start noticing a little bit of that changing, um, you know, kind of bringing it in house made the most sense. And especially I think for us, specifically speaking of our company, um, we have about like 14 presences on, so like 14 brands on social, not even presences. Well, 14 brands means that for all those brands, you're at least if you're obviously on Facebook and Instagram and you may or may not be on Twitter, but most of the times you are. Um, and then you add YouTube because you want OLV. So you know what I mean? So it's like all these presences. Um, Mm -hmm. so that definitely, escalates the amount of monitoring you need to do. Um, but it's a lot easier because in the past it would have been like, you need to let this agency know it to let this person know that we want to activate this. And then that's going to have a turnaround. And same thing, if something happens and you wanted to shut something off, sometimes it wasn't just a matter of saying pause on something. It was like, you got to let this person know and that person know it. And Oh, today happens to be a holiday. So we can't get a hold of it. Mm. <laughs> yeah. oh, so, I'm, I'm thinking about that from my own perspective and like the levels of like approval that like this needs to go through this and then this and then this yeah. and this. It's, it's <laughs> yeah. impossible to manage and, and a, a headache for, for a client. 
Yeah. 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 Exactly. And at the end of the day, it was just a lot easier to kind of bring that and manage that in-house and whether it's something where right. we're a media agency or we do it internally, it's a, a lot faster and we can react a lot quicker than being like, you, who's on charge of this one? What about that other brand? What about this? Is this still this agency? Is it? Right. So <laughs> that's yeah. definitely been um, a lot faster for us. And I'm sure um, this will be relevant later in our conversation, <laughs> but <laughs> I'll bring this up in a bit, but it's been, it's been very useful, especially with having to kind of start and stop campaigns in certain times. For example, for COVID, um, you know, there's been obviously a lot of, um, well, from research, we've known that a lot of people are, haven't been very receptive to, to ads, um, Mm -hmm. when COVID first started, like the pandemic started, right. So it's like, yeah, you could serve them ads, but they're so worried about so many other things. Like that's just the nature of human behavior that, your ads aren't impacting them like they would. So at that point, you're just throwing money down the drain because they're not responding to it. They're not reacting to it and they don't care for it. They're looking for things like more closely tied to their survival news, like what's happening around them. Um, So in in those moments like that, it's good to be able to just kind of like hit pause real quick. And I think like, obviously we can further that conversation on, um, social media and like brands being silent to what we're seeing right now with this whole, you know, hashtag stop hate for profit. So mm-hmm. we're seeing a lot of uh, brands boycotting, uh, buying ads on Facebook just due to how that company is handling hateful content and sort of mm-hmm. like hate speech moderation. So, so mm-hmm. far I've seen um, Sony, Microsoft, the North Face, Ben and Jerry's, Lululemon, just a whole list of companies announcing that they are going to stop buying ads on Facebook. And for somebody that works in social media, I just want to get sort of your take on kind of what's going on around that that movement right now. So it's been really interesting um, because we're a very lean team. Um, we get invited to a lot of um, partner events like Facebook sometimes um, and get to be involved in sometimes like what they're up to, their changes in policies. And I recall last year. They invited us um, to talk a little bit. I think it was mostly supposed to be meant for reporters and publishers um, on the platform, but we were invited. So we went, my colleague. And, I. Um, <laughs> yeah. and we, it was just crazy to because the discussion um, was basically around freedom of expression um, mm-hmm. and, you know, kind of what Facebook was in charge of, I guess, censoring of, or limiting in terms of politicians and what they yep. weren't going to, because it seemed like they were taking a certain stance or exceptions with politicians, but they weren't making those exceptions for publishers and like news, um, news sites, for example. So mm-hmm. for example, a news site could be an opinion piece and they would kind of have a certain, um, uh, disclosure there or they wouldn't let them advertise or it would have to say that it's a political thing but for example for politicians they might not necessarily have been doing the same thing um so there was a lot of news reporters asking very pointed questions in in there um saying you know why are you doing one and not the other and the 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 way of explaining it was that to them after careful review um, of the policies, this was no different than a politician going door to door and being like, here are the things that I'm going to do and here are the things that I believe. And therefore, 
social media, the social media platform is kind of like a mic for them to be able to do that. So then why would they limit? That's the way that they had explained it. And I was like, okay, interesting conversation. <laughs> like, good to know, good to know. But little did I know this would come very useful <laughs> a year later when we're trying to kind of understand still, you know, how much, obviously back then they talked also about all the content restrictions and um, supervisions they had added to the platform, that it was a safe platform. So I think that's why they invited some of the brands because there had been some concerns from brands um, about the kind of content that is on there, right? Or, you know, sometimes certain a certain amount of ads are appearing on content that we wouldn't normally agree with. So, yeah. um, so we had a lot of reservations about that. And they're definitely not the only um, company that we've had those concerns with. But I think... Um, other companies have, you know, acted pretty quickly on it, um, this past year, but I think for them, um, they were, they had hired a third party. I'm not sure if you guys heard, but they had hired a third party of content reviewers, um, basically reviewing all the content, all the hateful content, removing it. Um, it seemed to be like a lot of effort and very expensive for them, but they were there to reassure that it was safe. Um, and so, I guess on that note, um, when we talk about Canada specifically, we know that in terms of, you know, freedom of expression and um, hate propaganda, like the court has found that the harm that is caused by hate propaganda is not in keeping with aspirations of freedom of expression, air quotes, or values of equality and multiculturalism. So technically, based on that, yes, if something is hate speech, it should be removed. Like it, it, it has no business doing being there. Um, at the end of the day, if people are going to be on there on the platform, the platform, in my opinion, is responsible for monitoring that. Mm-hmm. Um, I totally yeah, go ahead. The, the number of times that like I've like reported like content that like is being served to me, and not necessarily from a paid ad perspective, that like I I see pop up on Facebook and Instagram that like yeah. I find extremely offensive and like or a comment or something that somebody says or something like whatever it is mm-hmm. and report it. I often get met with like uh this doesn't breach our guidelines. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay, well like what look what is hate speech then? Because like it's like what am I seeing? Right. You know I mean? Right. So I mean in that in that sense like I don't have I I mean, I haven't been provided or I haven't seen yet a list of what would be considered in that. So again, it's still being, and it's interesting that, uh, to me, I find it interesting, obviously that they've hired a third party company to do this because that still kind of removes them a little bit away from the onus of what mm-hmm. is, and what isn't right. Well, um, they're so, putting somebody like they're getting somebody else to figure out the problem for them kind of. Right. And so I don't know, like, I still don't know. I haven't seen any documents say like, this is, this is not, maybe I, I need to find some policies in there that I haven't looked up over, but I haven't seen anything that would declare something to be um, hate speech and something not to be, it's still being, I guess, like evaluated by a third party. Um, mm-hmm. And perhaps that could differ from country to country too, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. Right. So um, I think that's something to consider. And I think, yes, back to the conversation, I think, of this past week, which I've been, like, tweeting nonstop about. <laughs> I've, seen, I've seen your tweets. I've seen. <laughs> but <laughs> it's like, no one asked me. But um, but essentially, yeah, I found, I found, like, the statements very interesting to, you know, I, I understand that it wasn't, like, intended to be an outwards statement, and then it got leaked. 
But, you know, um, it's supposed to obviously, I understand, reassure the employees that, you know, their jobs are okay and like they shouldn't worry and this and that. But, you know, the, the confidence, I guess, and smugness of hearing, you know, they'll be back like on our platform soon enough. Um, you know, yes, I, I, I dislike the smugness and the confidence, but at the end of the day, he, what his state, his statement is not wrong. And so my big point with, you know, people saying like, Oh, I'm going to boycott Facebook and I'm already uninstalled the I'm not even on there. I deleted my account. Like you, you forget that the own, like Facebook Inc is not just Facebook, the app, Facebook Inc means the Facebook platform with over 2.6 billion users. Facebook Inc. includes Instagram with over 1 billion users, WhatsApp over 2 billion users, plus 84 more apps and platforms with their own set of users, right? So at the end of the day... um, It's not enough to just be off Facebook. No, if you want to really be off and boycott, then you need to be like off everything technically to be able to follow. I need to turn my goddamn phone off. I'm going to just give my phone away. I don't need it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and like, maybe they're right, right? So what, I think it was like some sort of uh, executive director said something like less than 5% of um, like the people on the Stop Hate for Profit, um, the companies on the Stop Hate for Profit boycott account for less than 5% of Facebook revenue. Um, but you have to remember that Facebook does have 8 million advertisers on there. So yeah, maybe the companies, you know, aren't sufficient, but you have to also remember for the medium to small businesses, like this is all they have. Yeah. The the reason why that is, is because the people are on there. So I understand people being like companies need to do this, but at the end of the day, like my biggest takeaway from this whole thing is brands will go where the people are. So if everyone is still feeding in those audience numbers, you can still confidently say, well, they'll be back because guess what? We have the audience numbers that they need. And so for us, we're like, well, you're not wrong. (laughs) You're not wrong. Right. So if it really comes down to the user and the user base and, you know, we want to advertise our products where our user base and audiences are. So where are you going to go? Where Mm -hmm. are you? You're, are you going to change? And the thing is like a, a lot of platforms are so ingrained in, in the culture that it's just like yeah. part of, you know, you keeping up with what's going on in the world is, is checking these platforms. Um, are you going to delete everything and just be like, no, none of this. I'm going to use the most, the least used platform in the entire list on like my apps list, right? Like that's not going to happen. It's so I, at the end of the day, yes, there is a, to me, there is a responsibility. Like if we're talking about ethics, yes, I think there is a responsibility, but at the end of the day, it's the users that make that decision. I totally agree. And you know, it's, it's like not to bring things down, but like, it feels depressing <laughs> because <laughs> yeah, how big they are too. Well, that, and that's the thing. Cause they can say, yeah. you know, as just as you were saying, like, you know, it's like, it's not just Facebook, it's Instagram, it's WhatsApp. It's like, you know, a ton of other like apps that people consume daily and probably don't even know that it's related to Facebook, to be completely honest. Like, yeah, the probably don't. Yeah, yeah, the average person might not think that like WhatsApp is is a, a Facebook property. So, Until they add that logo to the screen where you, yeah. <laughs> you know, when you open the app, like Facebook's like, you're about to see this Facebook Inc. WhatsApp. But some and people yeah. still don't even notice that. You're right. Yeah. Like, I feel like I noticed it. Um, 
a little while ago, and then I haven't noticed since. I don't know if I just yeah, I <laughs> just ignore it, or I'm just like whatever. But at the end of the day, like, will I stop using WhatsApp? Probably not. You know what I mean? How like, could you feel? Come on, join the <laughs> movement. Mean, but that's the thing. It's like I have my entire family on there. Like I know that's what they yeah, used to yeah. communicate with me out of country. Like they're you know obviously in South America, so I'm not going to be like please download cacao talk or something you know what i mean like a korean app or chatting like i'm not gonna you know like the, it's it's just not gonna it's realistic right but it's it's not not gonna happen so at the end of the day his statement is not wrong so, so you know does this mean that there's brands you know protesting by not spending advertising dollars with them for a month that obviously doesn't really do anything like substantial so does it does that put the onus on like the users to to call for action? Like, I believe so. I believe I think it's like if you really mean it, because at the end of the day, um, you have to remember. I mean, if you remember, I mean, we get a lot of decks, and usually it's like boasting the audiences, and that usually it's like the target demographics that are within those audiences that we 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 would like to capture, we would like the eyeballs off, and that's what we're trying to get. So it's like, well, if the next set of slides don't have those numbers, then like uh, my interest has, has, as a brand has left, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like maybe other platforms look more appealing. Um, so I think that's something to kind of keep in mind. Um, yeah, I, I, totally. Like, I think at the end of the day, the onus will be on the user. Yeah. So it's like, how do, how do we get people to really give a shit about this? Because, because like brands doing it isn't enough. Like brands no. do it feels like, can we though? what's but, that? Yeah, are you capable? Like, are you capable of actually doing that? Um, and really, yeah. somebody had said something that I think it was—I don't know who he was. Some consultant. I've read too many articles, but some consultant said something like, "Oh, well, all brands are going to do are um, basically uh, save money." And I was like, "That's an interesting argument because it's not true." <laughs> um, we, we, I mean what a lot of brands have been doing or saying publicly what they're going to do is divest it into other media. Yeah. So oh, okay. Okay. It's not like maybe some of them are, maybe some of them are holding, like I can't speak for all brands. Like, I don't know, but I think for the most part, they're like, well, you know, we still have to um, promote a product. So this is not, these are not avenues. Then let's look at the other avenues that are still effective. Um, and I think that's something to reflect on as well. I think every company, as I've been reading a little bit more closely about their, um, corporate statements, they're very careful in the language and vocabulary they, they use with this pause. Um, I'm not going to name names, but, um, I know that there's been a few where it was like, we're going to pause all brand advertising, um, or saying like, we're going to pause it in the U S. So what about, you know, the rest of the parts of the world. Are you just boycotting this movement in the States specifically, but everywhere else it's fine to hate speech, like, you know, or, you know, if it's brand, what does that mean? What is, if people normally don't take, people normally assume that a brand ad is anything with a brand on it. That's not for a brand. That's not true. Um, Mm -hmm. for a brand, you can have brand advertisements, which are obviously like consumer facing and they're trying to sell you a product. But then you also have corporate messaging, corporate ads that have more to do like how you feel about the brand. Is the brand doing good in its community? It's more like a corporate statement on sustainability, for example. That's seen maybe still being pushed out. That's technically not a brand ad to a brand, but Mm -hmm. people don't know that. So then it's kind of just like, 
do you really realize what brands are actually doing? Is it that they're pausing it throughout their entire ecosystem or every business unit around the world for a lot of the bigger ones? Or are they just focusing on like a small portion of the revenue on the States? Are they divesting it into other media or are they just pausing it and they're going to like put it all back in August? What are they doing? Right. So I think, um, in terms of our experience, like we've been pretty transparent with that for us, we did a pause globally. (laughs) That was like, that was because, um, we have a lot of markets. (laughs) So, so it's, a lot of craziness um, in our markets for the past couple of weeks, but we were able to get it done. And um, and so because of that, I think because we've, what I feel has been like a very thorough examination at the end of the day of what this means for our company, um, it wasn't so much of a stop hate for profit. Um, we weren't part of that. For us, we paused it on everything, but I think we kind of had to stop back, take it back and be like, have we really reviewed what the, um, kind of hate propaganda is like the kind of hate propaganda that is going on all our social media channels that we're advertising on and what, what that looks like. Have we ever paused to kind of review that? Um, and I think this has kind of pushed us to internally kind of regroup for the whole month as well and be like, okay, well, we need to really re-examine all of this because at kind of social media just happens so quickly and teams start forming quickly and everybody jumped on board and, Policies keep changing, right? As you can see, like the, the terminology keeps changing, your user agreements keep changing, um, and yeah. so what you're giving up keeps changing. Same thing for advertisers on the on the platforms, right? Um, and I think as this keeps changing, um, we also need to, as companies, we need to also reevaluate. When we say like we don't stand for hate, well, we need to also reevaluate what about where we're advertising. Yeah, I, I totally agree with that, and I was just going to say, you know. Whether or not, I, I think a lot of the, the brands who are participating in stuff like this are like, it's performative, right? Like we've seen the this. The word of the year, man. Yeah, yeah. We've seen this like in COVID. We've seen it with the Black Lives Matter. And now we're seeing it with this again. It's yeah. performative. And, you know, I think that, uh, and, and I'm not speaking for all companies, but that's just what I'm observing from a mm-hmm. consumer standpoint. Mm-hmm. But it's just, kind of, it's kind of interesting to me because, you know, why don't they just, like you were saying before, if you're saying we don't stand for, for hate speech, like where are you investing your advertising dollars? And like, does that platform like, you know, coincide with your, um, with your mission statement about that? You know what I mean? It's like, I think a lot of brands are, are taking the time. Like, you know, this is what some people are doing a month. Some people are doing, you know, a couple weeks. Some people are doing however long they feel. But I just feel like it's like, why don't they use this time? Like they've done step one. Why don't you use this time to actually, you know, uh, investigate what what they can be doing to, you know, to follow up with this? Because I think at the end of the day, if it's if it's not, you know, if they're, if they're pulling advertising dollars from Facebook and Instagram, they're just putting it somewhere else. And mm-hmm. you know, who knows? But I, I, I just find like that they're doing. Yeah, like I'm, I I want to stay optimistic and also be like. I really hope like other companies are also doing this, but I can't help but be a little skeptical. Um, I, I'm, I'm, I'm definitely very, I understand. Like, I think it also has to come from the top and people need to understand what they're pushing for. And I think for us, what's been really helpful and why I'm behind it um, is because I've seen, like, I've heard the statements. I've understood the explanation. Once I understood the rationale of like, okay, 
to any two-way communication for us, like on social media, we're considering social media and we're going to pause that because on two-way communication, there is room for, for that. Mm-hmm. There is room for that. Um, and so, and we're going to re-examine all of it. And once that, that was clarified, I think with all our markets, we were like, okay, we get it. Um, mm-hmm. But I, I don't know that, and that's obviously a lot of work that we're doing internally, but I don't know that other companies are doing the same thing. I hope, I, I definitely hope so. Um, but again, I think at the end of the day, although, you know, we can choose perhaps to invest more or less with a company or another, um, I still strongly believe like, I guess just my personal like ethics is like, but yeah, if you're going to be on a, on a platform or you're going to provide a platform for people to be on, um, and monetize off of those people, you also have a bit of, like a responsibility to make sure that people are safe on the platform. Um, yeah. and not, I guess, like monetize off of the hatred or the controversy or people's like pain. Um, you know, and as a brand also, like, I don't think we, it's a good place to be, <laughs> you know, and I think every other brand would agree. So it's just, um, I, I hope, like, I really do hope that despite the confidence that they hold the audiences that, you know, there are some changes that come from, I understand the pressure of being like, well, we don't like to be threatened, but, and I get it, nobody does, but I think it's, it's very important. I think even as users, right. As users that are, I think Facebook started with in a very different, I've been, uh, or, you know, uh, a very old school, like Facebook users since its inception. Like, and I remember when I first started, like the first few years and it was, it was very different to what it is now. Um, I'm not sure if you guys, I know you're both a little bit younger than me. Um, (laughs) (laughs) no, but I'm just saying like, I don't know if you, you were always on it, never on it, didn't see the thing. But I think for me, like my relationship with it changed my personal use of it changed. What about totally. you? Oh, I'm just not on it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There you go. I got, I got Facebook in 2007. Same. So I would have been in like grade 10 or 11 at that point. And like, I don't know. I remember I remember Facebook when your status updates said like Malik is and then like you fill in like whatever you do. <laughs> oh my god, It's dope. <laughs> <laughs> and there was crazy because like back then like there were no ads like there were, it was so new that there like at least maybe i didn't pay attention to it but yeah. like it, you know there was no there was no real advertising there was no marketplace there was no chat even back when i first started like i remember when facebook chat like became a thing i was like okay cool i guess i won't use my msn account anymore <laughs> yeah <laughs> but like to your point i think you know i think as a result of those changes my relationship with the platform has inherently changed like mm-hmm. I don't, I really don't use Facebook that much. Like I still, I'm on, well, I'm talking about like Facebook, Facebook and not like Instagram and WhatsApp and stuff. Cause I use those all yeah. the time. You know what I mean? And I think, you know, as the platform evolves, um, you know, people's interests and people's, um, you know, connection to it have to change as well. You know, we're seeing it with like, you know, all my, I remember when I got Facebook, my mom was like, don't get Facebook like it's you know you're, they're gonna steal your information and all that. And now my mom uses Facebook more than me, so I'm like, yeah, it's kind of, you know, it, it's it, the platforms change as you know as time goes on, and I think that you know hopefully as a result of of something like this, um, we'll continue to see change and be optimistic that like hopefully you know we can get rid of hate speech on you know the platform in general because that's what this is all about, right? And I. Think- 
And I mean, I know we've been talking about Facebook specifically, but I think it applies to any, a lot of other platforms as well. Right. And, um, and I think it's reviewing all those policies and ensuring that communities are safe on there too. And again, as advertisers, yeah, we, we want that, but as as users as well. Um, and I felt, I feel that Twitter has been doing a pretty good job of that actually. Yeah. It has been good. And, but like, I feel like, if I were if I were like a Twitter or I was a Snapchat or something like that, if I was Snapchat, I'd already be shitting my pants because you know just a couple of weeks ago they did that like Juneteenth um, Snapchat. Oh yeah, that's just the definition. Like, guys, come on now, like those guys got to be reviewing their own policies because if that shit happened, that stuff's happened time and time again. But like it's just so timely and and in poor taste that like. I don't want to use Snapchat anymore because of something like that. You know what I mean? And like, I don't think companies like Snapchat or Twitter or maybe even Facebook, Instagram, like really see that as like a threat because they know they have such a stronghold on, um, on a lot of the users, but like, you know, fuck that. Like <laughs> I don't need to see any of this stuff. I don't want to see this. And if that's what, you know, comes with logging on to Instagram every day or logging on to Snapchat or whatever, I, you know, I, I don't want any of that. Yeah, like at the end of the day, I think from a brand perspective, if your platform is full of like hateful trolls spewing hate messaging, we do not want to be there. Yeah. And it's yeah. true. <laughs> we just, it's just not, yeah. obviously, you know, it's, it's a bit of a waste of our advertising <laughs> dollars. Um, and so it, it, it's just, it's not what any brand, sta- well, I mean, I'm going to speak on most brands, but like they, they, they we should stand for. Right. So it's like, it, at the end of the day, it hurts the platform itself. Yeah. Um, so it, it also, like at the end of the day, let's just leave it in their hands. And it's like, okay, well you have this power and how are you going to use it for the greater good? I think, you know, users need to also express their concerns of being on those platforms. Right. And I think a couple of years ago we saw, I don't know about you guys, but I kept seeing, you know, all these like clickbait articles that were saying some outlandish things. And and it was just kind of like, where is this? How, like what? And I think that's around the time when I was just like, no, I just can't. Like, I, I just cannot. (laughs) I was just more frustrated with the whole thing. I was like, what is this? Like, I just, I would go on and just be really angry and leave. (laughs) Yeah. Well, YouTube, YouTube's also had like, Uh And like really poor history with that kind of stuff too. So it'll be interesting to see like, you know, I know personally, you know, some brands who pulled advertising dollars from, from that platform for like a really, really long time. And then, you know, I think since they've started to, you know, reinvest advertising into Google and, you know, uh, ads on YouTube, you know, they must've done something. They must've like seriously like reevaluated some things. Obviously like there's still problems with like programmatic advertising in general in that regard. It's not, I think from a brand perspective, like it's not safe, not a hundred percent safe. And it's up to like media agencies to like really mitigate that. But mm-hmm. it's, you know, it'll be like, use that as a, if you're Mark Zuckerberg or like whoever use that as like a, okay, like there's an issue here. Uh, and if I'm assuming he gives a shit about the problem, but like, <laughs> absolutely not. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But like, if he did like look at those cases and be like, okay, well I want to be a, like, I want to continue to be a leader in, you know, the social media space um, and communications in general. Um, so what can I do to, to, you know, prevent stuff like that from happening? That's obviously happening on my platform. It's, it requires so much like reevaluation that I don't know if like, 
you know, the, the higher ups, as you mentioned earlier, are, you know, it comes down to their dedication to, to solving the issue. And if they don't see it as necessarily a problem, they'll say, okay, we'll see you in a month's time. Yeah. And I felt like, I don't know, maybe it's just me, but I felt like he, uh, seemed more earnest and preoccupied about it last year or the year before, like around the Cambridge Analytica scandal than yeah. he has now. And I, and it just makes me wonder what happened? Like what changed? Yeah. Um, because I bought it back then I was like, Oh yeah, he's really committed. He's hired this third party. They're reviewing all the content. It's safer. I definitely did notice I, I, there's less clickbaity misleading information that my parents are sharing. Um, but at the end of the day, I'm still with these statements set in like, that still was kind of an external statement that we got a few years ago with these internal statements. I was like, Hmm, like I, I'm like, where was that like energy from last year? Like what happened? What happened at that time? Seems to be the theme of the last, uh, last couple, couple episodes, like keep that same energy. Like where, like where is that gone? Like, yeah. That dedication. Right. And uh, yeah, at the end of the day, again, like, I guess we'll see, we'll see. I, I think this month will be a trying month. And I think for a lot of companies, they set minimum they would spend, um, you know, uh, July without advertising with them. I don't know if they'll extend for more, but I hope that they, I do hope that they reconsider. Cause I think at the end of the day, you know, we, we want happy and safe users, um, yeah. on platforms, right. P- places where they can communicate and create relationships and bonds and not the opposite. Yeah. Um, like yeah. go back to what the platform was like meant to do. Yeah. Like, <laughs> like, go, just go back to that. Yeah, yeah, seriously. Mark Zuckerberg, you've changed a little bit. <laughs> I just find it really interesting because, uh, you know, what started as like, uh, like, such, like wholesome is not, is definitely not the word I'm going for. But like, when I first started on Facebook back in 2007, it was just like, oh, look at this like cool, like platform that like I can like talk to my friends and like the whole purpose of it was just to like create connections between people and like family members that you may not be able to get and you know what's you know go that's your user base those are the people that you want you don't need like all the you know the hate speech people coming onto this platform it's like it's not meant for that and I, I don't know. I think it's it's be, over the years it's turned into it as a result of you know maybe the wrong people having access um, to that, yeah. and it's snowballed into this 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 issue that we're that we're seeing today. And sometimes it also is like it it comes down to like other things like how easily people can create accounts. Like for example, did you know that you can actually create a messenger? You can chat on message, Facebook Messenger, well now called Messenger, without actually having a Facebook profile tied to it. Did you know yeah. that? Yeah, I yeah, yeah. I didn't know that until like we ran a program a couple of years ago and we assumed that they had to have a profile. Um, and no, it was just like, you can just be anonymously just on, I think you just need a phone number or something back then. Mm-hmm. Um, and you could just go on messenger and message anyone. That's, that's crazy. Like if you don't have a series of authentications, then obviously there's a lot of people that will create several personas they will hide behind personas and that's when they have that freedom of being able to say whatever with zero repercussions right yeah well that's that's exactly where all the the harmful content comes from yeah yeah absolutely it'll definitely be interesting to see kind of how this plays out by the end of the summer and if brands keep that same energy and and how mark zuckerberg responds because right now he's not really responding in the best way 
Um, I do think this year in general has really been that year for brands boycotting for change. Uh, we're also seeing this with brands, you know, cutting ties with a popular and culturally offensive NFL team, the Washington Redskins. So mm-hmm. we're seeing Nike, PepsiCo, FedEx, they're all cutting ties with the team um, if they don't change their name. So the Washington Redskins announced that they're doing a thorough review of their name um, due to the backlash. And I'm curious, do you guys think, you know, the brand's boycotting is actually going to enact change or um, kind of what's going to happen in that scenario? I think that, to be honest, um, there was a great article on the Washington Post that had like a chronological review of all like the whole history behind the Washington Redskins and the use Mm. of the Redskins. And I think if I recall correctly, since the seventies, um, North, um, what's it called? Um, Native American, um, leaders have been fighting to change it, to change it. Okay. So it's interesting that this did not matter since the (laughs) seventies, but now, because advertisers are pulling out, they're like, we yeah. will consider it for review. Um, and what's a review process? We're not sure yet. We're not yeah. sure. <laughs> yeah, we're, let's just look at it. Let's yeah. look at it. Um, and yeah, since then, like, it's been caricatures. Did you know that at one point, there, the cheerleaders were called the Indianettes, and they wore like oh, wig, black wigs with braids yeah. on. It's just like it's crazy. It, just, it's like it's like it blows my mind how how offensive this is, and like how it's like just like ingrained in like the American psyche that they can't even see it. And yeah. what, what I find crazy that to to answer your question, Dak, I, in my personal opinion, you know, while it, I, I think. You know, brands like pulling like their um, products from, you know, like Nike saying like, no, we're not going to sell any products like this. We're going to take all Washington Redskins content off of the, the site. Yeah. You know, the NFL probably has a partnership with Nike. So like to have it like one of 30 teams like pull out from that um, basically means that like consumers can't buy like the or can't show support for their team because it's like. It, it's taken away from them so they're probably like oh what like i'm pissed like what's going on here but on the other side of things like i think it sends a bigger message to the nfl to say hey like we're not comfortable you know being alongside this and you know it, it sucks that it took it's taking a brand to do that and not people fighting since the 70s mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. the or, people you know, that like are like this is offensive like this is yeah, people, people you're offending they're like eh we don't care <laughs> And they've not, been in, not until it, it hurts their pockets, right? So brands like Nike is like, oh, now we have to listen, you know? Yeah, it's like um, there was a series of emotions. They've been fighting it for years. And obviously, it's not until, like, eventually a lot of the leaders just kind of were like, they gave up. They were just like, they've been fighting it for so many years, yeah. like, you know? Um, and yeah, at the end of the day, like, for these big companies, money talks. So if you start pulling out and if you really want to back up what you say, then you're going to hopefully make a big move like Nike did. And then, you know, they'll have to review <laughs> their, their name and yeah. see what is appropriate. But it, it just really sucks because it still shows that at the end of the day, they don't care about the people they're offending. Yeah. Which is like the story so far. I, um, 
it's it's disappointing but at this at the same time like i'm hopeful that that something will change because of this because it's just like it's it's it, it can't happen like this this cannot be a thing any longer yeah and people don't understand yeah. that like completely turning a blind eye to like what the actual issue is but but it's yeah. very similar. it's not diff- any different than like you know the whole like aunt jemima and Uncle i was ben. just thinking that yeah i was like okay so sorry pepsico but you just realize now that you should perhaps change the name and you know the picture like i think it's been like is 120 years old or so it's it's really it's a really really old brand and i'm like wait so just now you were like hmm yeah you know what <laughs> I'm gonna do something about this. Like, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's to your attention. You're saying that no one, no one has brought it to your attention until this very month. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. like I find it hard to believe. Yeah, I find it hard to believe. Um, and yeah, I think for for my my own, I guess, discovery and knowledge, I didn't know that aunt and uncle were names that were used for African-Americans um, or I guess slaves to not call them Mr. and Mrs. Yeah. I, I didn't know that. I, and I think obviously this is part of like me growing up in Peru. We, we didn't know a lot about this, but, but coming here and like learning so much more in the past, maybe, I don't know, I want to say like two to three years. Um, to me, that was like, wait, so like, it's part of your brand, like your brand name is like refusing to, the, the name is based on the fact that you wouldn't address this person as a full person. So you call them boy or uncle or aunt, but you wouldn't call them Mr. and Mrs. Because they didn't deserve that. Mm-hmm. And that's what you still continue to call this product. Because mm-hmm. for me, like coming, I mean, I feel a little Fabi saying that, but it's just like, I just thought it was like, oh, uncle, aunt. And I was like, yeah, these pictures are like a little weird. But I was like, oh, uncle, aunt. I thought of like, like an auntie or like an uncle. I didn't know that there was that history behind the brand that, you know, when I looked at the caricature, oh my God, like it was crazy. And I'm like, wait, but this has still been the brand ID, like the brand name. Like you didn't even, yeah, the whole thing just, <laughs> it's mind blowing. It's, it's just- the, the more you learn about it, the more you're just like, what, what? Yeah. Yeah. But it's, you know, trying, trying times, but you know, I think that that's a great segue to, you know, conclude the episode. This was like a really awesome discussion. Um, it's nice to have someone who's an expert in their field, you know, talking about, you know, social media and, and, you know, this whole situation, like the context is so appropriate for the discussion. So thanks so much again for, for coming on. Of course. Anytime guys, it's been a pleasure. And I feel like I could talk to you guys about this forever. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like so many things, but also a lot has been happening. So, I mean, lots to talk about, but absolutely a pleasure. Fiorella, you gotta, you gotta plug your Twitter. Cause you talk about all of this on there all day. Uh, I know. Right. <laughs> it's so funny. I'm just like, um, I'm out here just yelling this out. Just <laughs> Yeah, no, yeah. One this, no one asked for this commentary. Okay, um, it's at uh, Fiorella X Lucia, and that's it. So, um, yeah, if you want to hear my musings on uh, whatever the heck is going on and yeah. uh, social media, tech, 
Um, obviously all comments are mine, not anyone else's <laughs> don't speak <laughs> on behalf of anyone. So yeah. Uh, yeah. Happy to chat on there. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for That's episode 12. We're out of here. Thanks again. Thank you.